Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Foo followers everywhere. Welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with your host, Ben Johnson. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this episode of the show. Before we get into our 2020 end of year show featuring the author of Life of Action Volume 1 and 2, that's Mike Fury. Here's a reminder that the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast has now completed its fifth season and we have had an amazing range of guests on the show this year, including the likes of action stars like Joe Taslim, Scott Adkins, Tara Macken, Lauren Avedon, Sarah Chang and Stu Bennett, plus amazing filmmakers including Gareth Evans, Vincent Soberano and Lanel Stovall. And martial arts royalty like Richard Norton and Benny the Jet Akides. Catch up on all episodes of the show now, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. You can also keep up to date with all the latest martial arts movie news, reviews and information about this show by following us on social media. We are on Twitter at KF Movie Guide. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. Head over to our website, kungfumovieguide.com, to sign up to our newsletter for your chance to win cool, free prizes every month. And you can also find our contact information as well as ways in which you can donate to the Kung Fu Movie Guide. Thank you, by the way, to any Foo follower out there who has already done that. That is amazing. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like to send us a longer message over email, then please do feel free to do so. The email address, as always, is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, there we go. That's the business bit out of the way. Now, all it remains for us to do is to put on our face masks, maintain social distancing rules, and log into Zoom for our look back over the martial arts movie year of 2020 in our special end of year show. So, without any further ado, let's get on with it. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Wow, wow, wow. There we go there. That was a little festive twist on an old classic for you there. Regular listeners will know, of course, that um, we've added a few more jingle bells there to the uh, to the usual theme, uh, which can only mean one thing. It is indeed time for the annual KFMG Pod end of year show with your host, Ben Johnson. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out this episode of the show. This is our annual look at the year in Foo. It features our best and worst films of the year. 
Later on, we will be counting down our personal top five favourite martial arts films of 2020. Throughout the month, you guys have been writing to us over social media. You've been leaving comments on our website and a few of you have sent us emails as well telling us which films you've really enjoyed this year. Thank you, everyone who has helped to contribute to this show and has sent us a message. That is awesome. We will be reading out your thoughts throughout the show. We will also be looking back over the martial arts film news that grabs the headlines in 2020, as well as celebrating some of the amazing guests that we have had on this show this year. It really has been a, a great year for the podcast this year. And because it's Christmas time, we will also be exchanging a few Christmas presents. So all of that goodness coming up on our 2020 end of year podcast. But before we get into all of that festive cheer, we need to say hello to my special guest on this episode of the show. He is the author of Life of Action, Volume 1 and 2. It's the action movie experts. It's your friend and mine. It's Mike Fury. Hello to you, sir. Hey, Ben. How are you? I'm not doing too bad, Mike. Uh, we should say, actually, straight off the bat here, that unlike previous end-of-year shows, we are not in the same room, yes. unfortunately. It's a sign of the times, and it's a shame, but it's good to see you even on, on Zoom. Yeah, we've got the cameras set up here, and we are recording this over Zoom because, of course, of something that we'll no doubt be talking about uh, this year, uh, the C word, the coronavirus. Yes which I'm pretty sure will come up more than once over the course of today's show. Yeah. So, Mike, who would have thought it a year ago when I was sat in that room that I can see now yes. on my Zoom screen that we would be in this predicament? What a year it has been. It's yes. crazy. It's a very, very strange time, very strange year. Um, as you say, it's not something I think any of us would have expected going into 2020. No. But uh, I don't know what, what, what to say, except let's hope 2021 proves to be better in, Absolutely. in all regards. 2020, of course, was a huge year for you in the sense of, you know, it saw the release of Life of Action Volume 2. Mike, yeah. I mean, many congratulations. Oh, Another fantastic book, a great addition to the Life of Action family. Yes. No, it was, it was, a, it was an interesting one. I mean, I did have some great guests in there, you know, so obviously people like Zoe Bell, yeah. um, Michael Jai White, Tony Jarr, um, Gareth Evans, Daniel Bernhardt, uh, Amy Johnston. So it was, you know, great conversations and everyone was really supportive and um, excited to be involved in the first place, which is nice, but then also helped promote it and kind of raise awareness of it. So that was, uh, that, 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 that was really nice. And I, you know, I'm very grateful yeah. and very grateful to everyone who supported the book and, you know, really, really helped get it out there. How has the book been, been received on, on the it's, whole? No, it's been great. I mean, um, it's, you know, it's, it's been reviewed um, well by by basically everyone one of the big highlights for me personally was total film um because it's yeah. a magazine that i read growing up and then to have them review it and give it a good review it was kind of yeah. like a, felt like it's a full amazing. circle experience we should say also that in anticipation of this show being recorded i do always put a list together of some of the big martial arts or fight centric films that are released yeah. throughout the course of the year this is mostly designed as a way to help us to come up with our own personal top fives of the year, which we will be reading out in a little bit. Mike, just looking at the list that uh, I sent over, I mean, yeah. how would you sum up this year's fight-centric film releases? I think it feels um, a little bit like 
even the the previous year or two and we talked about there not being so much it, well, it feels like not being so much pure martial arts centric mm-hmm. films but very action centric with yeah. martial arts featured prominently within within the films the releases of a lot of these films were sadly completely thrown by the wayside but they have yep. hit streaming services or been released in a slightly different way so in most cases we've you know hopefully been able to see the films that we wanted to see it's just in a slightly different way or with delays and that kind of thing and we'll come on to this in a bit but your top five did you find it easy or, or tricky i know we've been messaging each other most of this week because yeah. uh, i i only came up with my top five this morning yeah i did <laughs> it too was, uh, I had to, it was quite I had tricky to, i had to whittle it down it was quite difficult um yeah, no, it's, it's, I always find it quite difficult because I, yeah. I, the reason being I try not to take it too lightly that it's, you know, we shouldn't throw it around just to say, oh, just make this that, you know. Yeah, I know. Throw this into the top mean. five, make this number one. It's like you should, you should you know, take some take some time to consider it and do it properly. Yeah. So hopefully our um, our choices will be will be interesting. But, well, of course, I think my choices are interesting, but I'll be <laughs> interested to see if there's any overlap. Or, yeah. and, and obviously we should remind people that we don't tell each other what we're going to say we don't i've no idea what your top five will be and it is interesting in previous shows previous end of year shows you know i think was it last year we were pretty much the same i think it was very it was very aligned so we've got that to look forward to i do look forward to uh seeing your top five uh thank you so much mike i think there's only one other thing to do and that is to exchange some christmas presents mike want to go first or should i should i go first i'll go um i'm happy to start do you know what i need to take these headphones off and grab the uh grab the presents mike so bear with me two seconds unwrapped um, sadly but did you get your nice festive sweeties i did i've just seen that in the package that's great they will certainly get seen too and we have some nice presents here as well thank you sir no worries, Mike. There's a small one and a, and a bigger There's one. There's a small one and a big one. Open yeah. the small one first. Okay. Yeah, well, see, first. yeah. There you go, Mike. What wow, do you I've think of some, those? These are some great ninja socks. You've got ninja socks. They're ninja socks. Um, I mean, who doesn't got, want socks exactly. at Christmas? They look, according to the, the label and the packaging, they might help me creep better. <laughs> Is that what it says? Um, well... The, the the picture on the front shows a foot in a kind of a tiptoe motion, so I imagine that yeah. if I walk in them, I'll be quieter. Cool. Thank you very much, Ben. There you go. That's okay. So next time you you know you're out doing your ninja ninjaing yeah. and creeping around, yep. Yeah. Spare pair of socks. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I've got two rats gifts here. They're both quite mad. <laughs> Hey, look, this feels this feels DVD-shaped. Mike, obviously a legend when it comes to getting some good DVD purchases. I remember the first show we did of these. I got the film Hard Bastard on yeah. DVD. We got a collection of martial arts films last year featuring such great martial artists as Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got oh, lovely. And here we have Charlie's Angels... This is the original Charlie's Angels, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's in uh, original is in the Lucy the Liu and yeah. Cameron Diaz, the Drew Barrymore version. The special now, edition DVD with lots, lots of nice edition. extras. Yes, because this had some really interesting wire foo 
stuff going on in it, yeah. if I remember. I actually didn't mind this film. I think it's been yeah. unfairly treated, I would say, yeah. in hindsight. That's amazing. Okay, thank you so much, Mike. No I'm going to enjoy revisiting that one. Yep. That's festive that's awesome. fun. It's a bit of festive so, fun. shall I open? I'll open this thing now. Uh, yeah, open that. Yeah, open that one. Yeah. yeah. Special shout out here to a company that I think both of us are a a fan of. Mm -hmm. I thought it's a t shirt. And this is. I'm going to open this up. It's a t shirt of the 8 Diagram Pole Fighter. Fantastic Kung Fu movie, of course, starring uh, Gordon yeah, Liu. The legendary um, Gordon Liu. This is a company called 36 Styles. Oh, this, and is, they're the, based... this is one of their styles. This is one it of... is. That's yeah, great. Yeah. And not only that, Mike, but I I got one as well, look. <laughs> oh, wow. Got Angela Mao on yours. So I got Angela Mao on mine. I don't know yeah. if you can see that on I the can Zoom. See. Can you yep. see that? Yep, I can. So we got matching uh, oh, 36... Great. Styles uh, oh, cool. Kung Fu movie t-shirts there. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of uh, the 36 Styles guys. I'm a, yeah, I love their stuff. I didn't actually, didn't know this design. Um, yeah. I don't have this one. I've got a few of their shirts, actually, but I don't have this one, so that's very cool. Well, you, you were the first person to turn me on to them. They've got some wonderful t-shirts and merchandise from different Kung Fu, classic Kung yeah. Fu movies. My one is the... Well, Lady Kung Fu, but also known as Hapkido. And you've got Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, but there's loads on that website. It's really very good. 36 styles. And there's a shout out to Mr. Kung Fu Bob O'Brien as well. He does great work with them. Does amazing artwork. Great art prints. The prints. I've got a lot of, quite a few of his prints on my wall. Um, And yeah, and the t-shirt designs, as you say, as well. Very classic Kung Fu, um, you know, classic Kung Fu imagery on t-shirts, prints and so on. Very cool. Yeah. So thank you very much, Ben. Appreciate your kind gifts. Oh, you've got one more. I forgot. No worries at all. I've got one here. I'm going to open this guy. Okay, it looks like a book to me. Looks like a book. (laughs) The official Chuck Norris fact book. 101 of Chuck's favourite facts and stories. Written by the actual Chuck Norris. Yeah. Is that true? I, I would assume so. That's what the cover says. If that's what it says, that's amazing. You've heard the facts. Chuck Norris can kill two stones with, with one bird. <laughs> that's a good one. Chuck Norris doesn't need a weapon. He is one. When Chuck Norris does a push-up, he isn't pushing himself up. He's pushing the earth down. Yep. Wonderful stuff. So there you go. This, you can get up to date on all the, all the hot facts. The Chuck Norris facts, of course very popular online meme I think it's how it started its life Um, and it's great actually that Chuck just embraces it I think that's hilarious yeah it should be good fun a a nice fun chilled out read over the festive period thank you so much Mike that's a very thoughtful gift that that is that is great I had another one for you Mike but it didn't come it came through a bit too late for me to send it to you I'll just show you what it is it's not wrapped up or anything but I'll send this on to you afterwards is it headband it's not a headband, it's a Cobra Kai face mask. Oh, wow, cool. You can be rocking Cobra Kai as you 
practice your safety precautions. Yeah, while you're doing your karate routines yeah. there, whether you're uh, Miyagi-Do or uh, Team Cobra Kai, <laughs> whichever position you're in, at least you can yeah. practice in relative uh, safety, yeah, you know? that's great. Well, thank you very much. And not catch any <laughs> airborne diseases. Yeah, exactly. There you go, and there's a little filter that goes with it, oh, nice. so it's all a proper Ooh, It's a proper thing. thing. That's great. So sorry thank I couldn't get that out to you in right. time, Mike, but there you go. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Ben. Cheers. Okay, Mike, thank you so much there for those gifts. Very thoughtful indeed. I think now is a good time for us to talk through some of the biggest stories that grab the headlines from the world of martial arts movies in 2020. This is a feature that we are calling Highlights of 2020. Highlights of 2020. So, of course, there was only really one story that dominated all of our lives this year, and that is, of course, the coronavirus. The COVID-19 global pandemic has impacted all of our lives in some way or another. And our hearts do go out to anyone listening to this who has been personally affected or knows someone who has been affected by this virus. Lockdown restrictions has meant that most major industries, including the film industry, essentially ground to a halt this year. Some of the business's hardest hits were, of course, cinemas, faced with an inability to open their doors due to health and safety concerns, which was then compounded further by a distinct lack of any new releases. So huge tentpole studio movies like Disney's Mulan and the new James Bond film No Time to Die, Wonder Woman 1984, Black Widow, Fast and Furious 9, all of these movies were delayed to such an extent that many of the major studios have taken steps to actually bypass theatrical releases. This started happening in China earlier in the year with Enter the Fat Dragon, the Donnie Yen film that landed directly on the Yi streaming platform from the 1st of February. Mulan was originally planned for release on the 27th of March, only for it to land on its streaming service Disney+. Plus and in selected cinemas around the world on the 4th of September, you could actually watch Mulan through Disney Plus for an additional fee of 19.99 here in the UK or in the USA where it was priced at 29.99. And we recently of course just heard the news that Warner Brothers are now going to put their entire 2021 slate of upcoming blockbuster films in theatres and on their streaming platform HBO Max at no additional cost to subscribers for a period of 31 days. This is just rocking the film industry at the moment. Huge tentpole movies like Wonder Woman 1984, also Dune, The Suicide Squad, Mortal Kombat, the upcoming Matrix 4 movie, all of these films will be released in cinemas and on HBO on the same day. Mike, I mean, this is huge news for the industry. And of course, everyone now is up in arms because this could be the death knell for cinemas. What do you think? Or do you think that's going a bit over the top? 
No, I mean it is. It's obviously very, it's very bad, and it's very sad news and very worrying, especially for the cinemas and staff who work at at the various cinema chains. Um, I just, I do, as a, I consider myself a real film fan, and mm. obviously that transcends. It's not just kung fu films or martial arts action films. You know, many different types of cinema, and I do find it worrying that the cinemas clearly focus so heavily. Um, or I should say rely so heavily on the tentpole blockbusters for their mm. for survival, which is where this whole um, this whole concern kicks off. That the fact that these films have been delayed or will be potentially moved direct to streaming services means that um, there's a distinct lack of films. Dare I say content? I don't like to say that, but that's what you know. <laughs> that's the terminology that some yeah, people yeah. would use now. But you know, there are so many good films and real great quality films on the on the indie level or like mid low to mid budget level that just don't get um a release window in cinemas or that you know get completely missed and dropped up drop under the radar altogether it would be really nice to see creative ways these types of films could maybe be embraced to get people back into cinemas and get people going to see interesting and varied films, not just the tentpole blockbusters, which obviously, like, those films are great and I enjoy them too, but there are films out there that people can go and see. Yeah. It's just that they don't normally, or don't traditionally in recent times, get the opportunity through the normal, um, th- through the kind of the cinema platform. So it would be nice to see if there's a way to, to, to shift that. Yeah. Do you think it would change your viewing habits in any way mike if you knew a huge movie like say the latest wonder woman film is coming out it's accessible within your home you don't even have to leave your front room you could just watch the latest blockbuster at home yeah do you think it would sway you or to not go to the cinema and just just stay in and watch it instead what? I guess it, I mean that that's going to vary with different people for me personally i still think that the cinema is the best environment to see a film that you really want to see of course you know to have the the option of streaming at home is is not a bad thing i don't think i don't think that's something to be avoided or to kind of um to be afraid of but it's just um it could change viewing habits where you don't necessarily need to go to the cinema to see it um unfortunately i've also had and i I moan like an old man when i say this but the last few cinema experiences i had pre-covid um we're also you do feel like there's a lot of disruptions nowadays a lot of people on their phones talking in cinemas and things like that so given that <laughs> given that situation or the opportunity to see films quietly in the comfort of your yeah. own home i don't know i might sway towards it yeah, you know, yeah. Steer, steer a bit more towards I, that so it's, it's i difficult. think so i think it will sway a lot of people particularly if you don't have that vested interest in a film you may just you know prefer to see it at home but i will say this mike there was a window this year where cinemas did reopen yeah. and I saw tenants on yeah. the uh, big screen and then we met up, didn't we? We saw the yeah. premiere of The 800, a yeah. Chinese uh, war film, action film. We saw that yeah. on the IMAX screen and both tenants and The 800 were spectacular on the big screen. It really reminds you of that really powerful loud big screen experience particularly with action cinema that you just don't get that at home no matter how big your television is yeah for sure no i think certain films definitely lend themselves to the cinema um experience i'm sure it'll be a completely different experience to see um 
you know a lower but a cool lower budget martial arts film on the big screen it might completely change your perception of it versus seeing it on netflix and we should say obviously whenever we go to a film festival or you get to see a, a martial arts film on the big screen with a crowd and you get that communal experience i think martial arts films are greatly improved you know watching them with other people yeah, absolutely. I always remember um, I was fortunate to see uh, both The Raid 1 and 2 uh, in the cinema. Yeah. And um, particularly, I think, for The Raid 2, it was quite a lively crowd. Yeah. And obviously, at the very, you know, particularly, you think the very violent scenes or certain fight scenes, certain gory moments, you got people like screaming and reacting in the wincing, cinema. Wincing, yeah, jumping wincing out of their ha- seats. And howling and yeah. in pain and, yeah, all this kind of... And it does, it does create that kind of lively atmosphere and it's quite a fun environment to see that type of film. And obviously, you might not want it for a more a serious tone film, but for something yeah. that's either comedic or action-packed, exciting, I think it works well. He's a twat that tore up the pub. Elliot. You did all that on your own. What was it? Six of them. Oh, eight. But I had a dart, so. It was another amazing year for martial arts action on the small screen in 2020. This year saw the creative force behind the Raid film franchise. That's Gareth Evans and Matt Flannery. They brought their incredible brand of hard-hitting, highly visceral action sequences to the British TV series Gangs of London. The first season of Gangs of London aired here in the UK on the 23rd of April. It landed on Sky Atlantic. It was picked up by AMC in the USA, who are now co-producing a second season of Gangs of London, which is very exciting indeed. Cobra Kai moved to Netflix on the 28th of August and it was a great move because Cobra Kai now I think has finally got that widespread attention that it very much deserves. Cobra Kai is a great series. It follows the central characters from the 1984 hit The Karate Kid and there is a third season of Cobra Kai landing on the 8th of January 2021. This year we also got second seasons of both The Mandalorian, which premiered on Disney Plus on the 30th of October, and we got a second season of Warrior. Warrior is based on the writings of Bruce Lee, and it landed on the Cinemax Network in the USA on the 2nd of October. Mike, another great year for television. Which one of those took your fancy this year? Well, you know, there's so much great stuff actually on the small screen. Um, being produced which was really good to see Gangs of London I was a big fan of um, obviously Gareth Evans and Matt Flannery it was really cool to see um, probably you know it's been thrown around a lot but I think genuinely the best um, the best action production on British TV screens ever hands down um, yeah and of course you know the UK being known for its um, for its gangster you know ga- gangster yep. genre or you know drama series but yeah something that's really on a on a Hollywood scale or even a Hong Kong scale 80s Hong yeah. Kong scale in terms of the action output but but also you know the world building and the narrative building of these um, the gangster story and the characters and the different factions was really cool to see the home invasion episode I think it's episode five yeah I mean give that all the awards I mean honestly. What yeah. a breathtaking episode that was. Each each episode was almost like a mini film in its own right, and that was yeah. a, a real um, climactic, like a John Woo It was film. amazing. It was, yeah. <laughs> Just. It was and to yeah. think that that's produced, you know, on the small screen for, you know, 
for TV is you Incredible. know it's better than most film productions absolutely it is yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'll be interested to see how that expands and evolves obviously for season two as well and you know high hopes for that um, and on the other shows you mentioned you know yeah Cobra Kai is great it's interesting to see the snowball effect there I think we're still used to except for Netflix exclusive content a lot of things are made and then subsequently end up on Netflix that was a series that started off smaller with a smaller audience and actually snowboarded and grew bigger which was very cool to see um, Warrior I think we talked about Warrior last year when the first season had aired I'm a big big fan of that show it's a nice extension and evolution of the Bruce Lee creative force without having to just do another Bruce Lee biopic Secret war of yours. We're all gonna suffer for it. No, Jing. You're gonna wish you had killed me. There's always tomorrow. This year, there was the Fighting Spirit Film Festival. It's the fifth year that the Fighting Spirit Film Festival has taken place. This is an annual celebration of martial arts and martial arts movies, and it's been a regular fixture here on the Kung Fu calendar every year. And it is a wonderful event. It's full of feature films, short films, martial arts demonstrations, Q&As and so on. I have actually recorded quite a few live episodes of this podcast from the Fighting Spirit Film Festival in the past. And it is always great to be there. So a huge congratulations to its organiser Sue Cole and the whole Fighting Spirit Film Festival team. Not only for reaching its fifth anniversary, but also you know, putting on an event in a cinema here in the UK during these coronavirus times. Not an easy task, so hats off to the whole team there. An integral part of the event is the Short Film Awards. This is a competition which shines a light on the many amazing up-and-coming martial arts movie makers out there from around the world. It is a truly global competition and these awards may well uncover some of the stars of the future. Congratulations then to all of the winners at this year's event. The big winner on the night was a short film called Red. This picked up Best Short, Best Action Choreography, Best Actor for Bo Fowler and Best British Short. It actually tied with another short film called The Fat Lady Sings for Best Cinematography. Sophia Hanides from The Fat Lady Sings picked up Best Actress. Best Documentary went to Grandmaster Moses and Best International Short went to Let Me Run. There were Audience Choice Awards as well. They went to the films Officer Down and Red Corner. Mike you had the privilege of seeing these short films. Yeah, well, actually, I've um, I've been fortunate to be asked to be a judge um, for the past few years, so I do get to see the films early, although I wasn't able to attend uh, the event in person this year, which was a shame, but um, it's the first time I think I haven't been able to go. Red from uh, Bo Fowler was definitely a stand-up. Bo's obviously made some great short films in the past and very talented uh, martial artist, actor and filmmaker so it'll be interesting to see. I'd love to see him do a feature at some point in the not-too-distant future and see how he yeah. how he, how he he takes that. Um, but quite a few others, you know, the, the documentaries you mentioned, Grandmaster Moses um, was a really nice, um, really sweet uh, short film about this this um, long-established martial arts master. Um, and The Fat Lady Sings was, was great too. So there were, there were, you know, from all over the world as well, filmmakers submitting some really interesting work. So it's nice to see. And it's a great event. If you've never attended in the past and you're able to, it's something I definitely recommend. 
Hi, this is Scott Adkins, and you're listening to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Now, we can't do a roundup show, Mike, without acknowledging the hardest working man in martial arts movies, Scott Adkins. Yep. And if you include Ip Man 4, which did actually come out last year, although it did land on Netflix in 2020, Scott has appeared in a total of six films this year. So that's Ip Man 4, Legacy of Lies, Debt Collectors or Debt Collector 2, Seized, Dead Reckoning and The Intergalactic Adventures of Max Cloud or just Max Cloud. Sean Malloy on Facebook. Sean is a friend of ours. He presents the I Must Break This podcast, uh, which is a podcast dedicated to Dolph Lundgren. We've both been on that show, I believe, Mike. Sean on Facebook writes, while 2020 may not have been what everyone had hoped for, can we just take a minute to marvel at the output of the hardest working man in show business today, Scott Adkins? Adkins proved that no pandemic was stopping him, and even with the industry shutdown, Adkins still made a point to reach out to his fans via YouTube. His fight scene breakdowns and the Art of Action series were real treasures. I'm really looking forward to Castle Falls, Sean says. That'll be my most anticipated flick of 2021. Thanks, guys. Castle Falls, we should say, is directed by Dolph Lundgren. If you haven't watched Art of Action yet, then we do very much recommend that you do. Scott's Guests on this web series have included Dolph, but also Tony Jaa, Chad Stahelski, Sam Hargrave, Cynthia Rothrock, Gary Daniels, Steven Seagal. All the fighting legends have been on there. It is a really entertaining series, so do go on and check that out if you haven't. Mike, another storming year for Scott. The guy's a workaholic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was great to see, again, it's the you know, circumstances that I don't think any of us would have chosen <laughs> for sure no. but um you know definitely in terms of making good use of the time and taking the opportunity to speak to his peers um it's nice because you know it's a it's a even from an audience standpoint it's a slightly different conversation to have it, it kind of reminds me yeah. of um robert rodriguez has done this uh, director on director series yeah. on the you know el rey network so it's like having having an actor speak to an actor or a director speak to a director um kind of on the same level of sharing experiences and stories and how they found it and of those names you mentioned, I found it most interesting hearing Scott speak to, I guess, other action stars from even different eras, or people like Jeff Speakman, who's, you know, yeah. from, from some time before, but people that we maybe haven't heard from so much. And in some cases, going into quite personal detail about their own um, experiences or Absolutely. stories or struggles in some cases, um, and having them relate on a kind of an even playing field was, was nice to hear. So yeah, definite, you know, hats off to Scott for doing that. And um, it's a really interesting show. And I'd, I think he said after he finished filming most recently, he was going to try and do some more episodes. So it'll be interesting great. to see who he, who he has next. He's got a great way about him. He's very, I mean, you know, we've spoken to Scott a lot. He's uh, very uh, chatty. He's very open. He's very honest. Uh, and that really shines through, I think, in that web series as well. And he yeah. gets some great responses out of people. Yes, Jeff Speakman, again, that was, that was, a, that was a great episode. Very candid. Yeah. And he's bagged some really big names. I mean, my God, yeah. he, you know, if he's continuing with the series, I can't wait to see who's, who's going to get next on there. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, it's, it shows, again, he's, he's not just, as, as with, you know, most most artists he's not just a working actor you know he's obviously a fan of a the business so he's a, he's a film Absolutely. fan he's you know much like many you know 
like the rest of us, he's watched these films and an- analyzed the fight scenes to the to, yep. you know to the minute detail and has the opportunity to break it down with them and ask certain questions and hear some stories from key moments in the fight. And I like I enjoy that seeing that playback of the fights with a kind of a commentary over the top is, is great. Fun to, fun to have, yeah. Yeah, sure. really good, really good. I loved how Dolph didn't remember making Showdown in Little Tokyo yeah. <laughs> or parts yeah. of that film. Yeah. Maybe he bl- just blocked it from his memory. Yeah. Kenner, just in case we get killed, I wanted to tell you, you have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. Thanks. I don't know what to say. How about don't get killed? Don't get killed. Now, this is the sad bit of the show where we do remember some of the people that we've lost this year. So... On the 25th of January 2020, the Hong Kong-based Wing Chun teacher and the youngest son of Ip Man, that's Ip Ching, died at the age of 83. On the 5th of June, we lost Kurt Thomas. He was age 64. Kurt was a gymnast. He was the first US male to win a gold medal at the Gymnastics World Championships. And he was also the star of the 1985 martial arts cult favourite Jim Catter. Check out my conversation with Richard Norton for more on Jim Catter. Richard did train Kurt for that film and he was also the film's fight choreographer. On the 25th of July, we lost John Saxon. John was 83 years old. He was a prolific actor who worked on more than 200 films during a career spanning 60 years but of course he will always be remembered for playing Roper alongside Bruce Lee and Jim Kelly in Enter the Dragon. Benny Chan the awesome Hong Kong director Benny died from cancer aged 58 on the 23rd of August. Benny was responsible for some of the best Hong Kong fight films of recent times films like who Am I and New Police Story and Shaolin, all of those starring Jackie Chan. He also did Call of Heroes, Gen X Cops. His final film is Raging Fire that stars Donnie Yen and it will be released next year. On the 28th of August 2020, we lost the Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman. Boseman was 43 years old. He died of colon cancer and he had kept his cancer diagnosis secret for four years prior to his death. And just the other day, we lost the former wrestler and character actor Tommy Tiny Lister. Tommy died on the 10th of December at the age of 62. He was in the Friday films, of course, but also a heap of other movies, including many action films. Mike, what a shock it was to hear of Chadwick Boseman's death. I remember waking up and hearing this news and just bursting into tears. It was such a shock. So, And at such a young age as well to lose uh, Chadwick. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very sad. Um, you know, he made a phenomenal um, impact and impression on a lot of people. A very culturally significant um, actor and human being by all accounts. And just, I think the fact that he kept his uh, his cancer diagnosis a secret and kept just persisting and working through um, it's obviously, obviously a testament to the to his character and the type of person he he was so yeah absolutely a very very sad loss very clever guy uh very talented actor of course uh and, and a great loss absolutely yeah i, I think when, when you when you see the impact it had on even young children and yeah you know kids who've been deeply inspired by by obviously his you know the iconic black panther role um 
and that that film what that means to a lot of people not not forgetting his other work of course but just the significance yeah. of that is very powerful and benny chan of course a great director losing benny as well we still do get to see raging fire which is his final film that'll be coming out next year yeah. another very sad loss yeah for sure and i mean you know somebody like that who makes so many high quality films it's 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 kind of easy they almost become a bit blurred and you forget you mentioned yeah. new police story which is still one of jackie's best films in recent times i'd agree with that um and shaolin you mentioned who am i um Call of Heroes or The White Storm, these are all, you know, at a time when, you know, Hong Kong cinema is not what it once was. Yep. But few and far between, we get um, we, we get a very high quality, great film come out. And a lot of those in recent times were Benny Chan. So I think that's, that's, that's a testament to, you know, to the kind of filmmaker he was. And he made, he made a lot of action genre films, but they're very powerful with a strong emotional center to them which is obviously makes you know makes them makes them all, all the all the more impactful and powerful to those of us who who love those types of films Okay, we will be counting down our favourite fight films of 2020 shortly, as well as discussing our least favourite films of the year. But before we get into that, let's take a quick look back over some of the amazing guests who have appeared on this show in 2020. This year saw the release of our fifth season of podcasts. It started on the 20th of April with the director of The Raid and The Raid 2, Gareth Evans, so, in this clip, you will hear a range of voices from across our fifth season. In this order, you will hear from the No Retreat, No Surrender 2 and King of the Kickboxers star Lauren Avedon, the Australian martial arts legend Richard Norton, the director of The Raid and The Raid 2, that's Gareth Evans, kickboxing icon and Jackie Chan's sparring partner from Wheels on Meals and Dragons Forever, that's Benny the Jet Akides. The stunt double and founder of Stunt Pock, that's Stunt Performers of Colour, that's Jawandes Candice. You will also hear from the star of The Raid, The Night Comes For Us, and the upcoming Mortal Kombat film, that's Joe Taslim. The action star and stunt performer Tara Macken, UK fight star Scott Adkins, and the final voice you will hear on this clip is the Titans and Altered Carbon fight coordinator and 8711 action design member, Larnell Stovall. So, here we go then. Here's a quick little recap of Season 5 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Thank you very much for doing what you do for Kung Fu Movie Guide and for allowing people, you know, to be educated a little bit more on some of the great action that's been you know brought out it's been a pleasure to be with you thank you so much if a skinny little asthmatic kid from Croydon can end up working with Jackie Chan and Sam and Chuck Norris and people like that then basically anybody can and I mean that <laughs> it just a matter you've got to create your own luck believe in yourself and just just go for it and at least if you get to be my age and you haven't done it it shouldn't be because you didn't give it your best shot you know I'll never forget the first time we screened the first film it was amazing. It was such an incredible experience. We were in um, Toronto for the Midnight Madness, and you know, 
he goes sat next to me and then every time the audience would clap or cheer or respond he would elbow me in the ribs and by the end of the film I don't think I had a rib left because he was just, <laughs> he just kept elbowing me the entire time he's got some tough elbows as well he, yeah he yeah. does yeah one person you don't want yeah. to elbow you in the ribs is Eco but I mean we, you know it was me Eco, Matt and um, Joe Tazim we were all up in Toronto at the mm. time and you know, we spent the entire night just trawling through Twitter, just reading people's reactions to films, and we just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. We went to bed till about four or five a.m. Yeah, we amazing. just couldn't, we just couldn't believe what was happening. Jackie Chan and I changed the whole industry and in how people fight on screen. After we did that movie, everybody tried to uh, mimic what we did, and they yeah. couldn't. I mean, because we started a whole new thing in uh, a whole new uh, fight genre. On, on film, yeah, we did something yeah. completely that everybody had to follow because it was like, okay, this is the new way of fighting on film. I did double Viola Davis. She told me when she started her career early, they had a white girl double her. She was the one who was like, oh my God, I'm just happy to have you because we're the same height, same body type. I'm just happy to have a black girl to double me. You know, she was just happy to like, see that there were black people who actually, who women who actually do stunts. Because a lot of these actors, they go by what they tell them. Oh, it's not too many. No one wants, you know, black black girls are not doing this. If you compare to the, the two previous Mortal Kombat, they were super fun. But this one, because it's been like decades for, yeah. since the, la the last one, right? Yeah. So this one, with the technology nowadays, with, you know, everything is improved. You can see something like super cool, but still has the Mortal Kombat rules. It's been very awesome to be a part of a lot of projects where you have a lot more female directors and just female department heads and like the females in the, like, the camera department and like grip and electric, you yes, know, so yes. it's not always just the boys club and just, you know, you, you, don't, you don't notice it until you see, you're like, wow, there's a lot of chicks on this set. Yeah. That's cool. Through years of making movies, when I started, I always felt like, you know, I would see a director do something, I think, oh yeah, I wouldn't do it that way, but he's the director, he knows better than me. He must be right, and then the film would come out, and I think, I knew I should have, I would have done it a different way, and yeah. I would have been right. And then the more movies I've done, I've realized that I've actually got very good filmmaking instincts. Now that you've seen Dave knock it out the park with Deadpool and multiple other projects, and now Sam then stepped up to the plate and killed it with Extraction. So, you know, I'm sure studios are listening, and that's why we have to be ready. We got to tell great stories, too, and deliver, yep. you know? So, yes, yep. very grateful for the path they set for everybody. Now let's walk through and kick ass. There we go. That was a range of voices there from our fifth season of podcasts. You can catch up on all episodes of the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast now via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else it is that you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, I think we are now ready to go through the best and worst films of the year 2020. So, Mike... Here we go then. Let's have a chat now about the film that we really didn't like this year in our look at the worst martial arts film of 2020. The worst martial arts film of 2020. Look, I'll talk about this film, but I really didn't like this film, so I won't talk about it for too long. This is a film called English Dogs in Bangkok. Have you heard of this film? I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Super low-budget British crime movie. It's aiming for Guy Ritchie, but it's sort of the type of Guy Ritchie film that not even Guy Ritchie makes anymore, so it's at least dated by about 20 years, I'd say. There's a really nasty unpleasantness to the film, and it follows British drug smugglers in Thailand. They're selling steroids on the black market. They're very unpleasant characters. It stars... Byron Gibson and Ron Smorenberg. Most people listening to this probably know Ron for being the guy that Jackie Chan is berating in the Who Am I outtakes. Ron is a great martial artist. He does have a nice fight scene in this with Mark Stass in an alleyway, but this is a film that really revels in its own unpleasantness, and I just found the whole thing very tedious. It's on Amazon Prime, but honestly... Don't go near it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so not, not to be a party pooper, Ben, but I, yeah. um, I actually don't have. I just didn't have anything that I felt warranted that label that you <laughs> that you insist on. <laughs> every year, I force yeah. your hand every year for this. We should also say last year saw the release of the film A Karate Christmas Miracle, okay. and I remember talking about that on yeah. last year's show. It's still available. It's on Amazon Prime. It's free. So anyone listening to this that wants a Christmas-themed martial arts film, then do check out A Karate Christmas Miracle. Head to kungfumovieguide.com to read our review or listen back to last year's show for a full in-depth analysis on that sleeper holiday hit, A Karate Christmas Miracle, if you do want to check that out. Okay, that's enough of the worst films of the year. Let's get on to the good stuff. Here we go then. This is the creme de la creme. The best of the best is the films that we love the most in 2020 in a section that we are calling the best martial arts films of 2020. The best martial arts films of 2020. Okay, so just to remind our listeners, I compiled a list of fight-centric films that debuted in 2020. Now, I tend to use the IMDb website for the release dates for this. The full list has been available on our website, kungfumovieguide.com. As is the tradition, I specifically ask Mike not to tell me what his top five films of the year are. So this is left as a little bit of a surprise. Although, looking at the releases and knowing Mike's taste, I've been pretty good at guessing the films that he'll put in his top five. (laughs) But I reckon there's going to be some similarities in this list between our our lists. But we, we shall see. We should also add that as we do this every year, the full list does contain films from around the world. It is a global list, but... um. Obviously, not all of the films 
given the wider international distribution at the time of us speaking. So we do our best on this show to try and cover a lot of ground, but uh, particularly a lot of the Chinese releases are just simply too hard to get hold of, you know, here in the UK. So uh, by legal means. By legal means, of course, yes. You know, we have a zero tolerance on that. We're law-abiding citizens. We certainly are. We don't stand for that nonsense. But as a result, we're more maybe a bit limited in what's available in the UK at this moment in time. Exactly right. So that's all of our excuses done, I think, Mike. (laughs) Shall we... uh, Let's crack on with this. So I am excited to hear what your top five will be. Without any further ado, let's get on with it. Let's start with number five. Number five. So my number five of this year is Debt Collectors, a.k.a. Debt Collector 2, a.k.a. Yes. Payback in the UK as it's known. Okay. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm sure everyone will be familiar, but this is the loose sequel to the original Debt Collector from Jesse V. Johnson. The film is set after narrowly avoiding death in the finale of the first film, the two the two main characters. Um, we're kind of caught up quickly and there's a certain a suspension of, of disbelief that I think we just buy into as part of the film, if you've yep. seen the, the end of the first film. But the, the character of Sue is played by uh, Lewis Mandler, uh, tracks Brilliant. down his old friend French, um, who's now working as a bouncer, and that's, of course, Scott Adkins. And uh, the two embark on a new series of uh, collections for their old boss, Tommy, I say it's a loose sequel because I suppose you don't need to have seen the first film, really. No. It would help. It's probably a, a bit more context and appreciation of the characters if you have seen them, but you don't really need to have seen the first film. You could you could see them as standalone. And just what I really liked about this, I was a big fan of uh, the original Debt Collector, um, obviously being a fan of uh, Jesse V. Johnson and Scott Adkins, but for me, this was, I feel, their strongest film they've ever done. So taking that into account, these two films together... Um, are the best it's the best films or the best franchise that um, that these guys have uh, have embarked on and I'd love to see more in this kind of vein you know I'm, I'm a fan of the mar- the pure martial arts you know Boyker and Undisputed and these ki- this kind of thing but I'm a big fan of crime films crime thrillers crime dramas and obviously this very much has that flavour with some martial arts action kind of incorporated into it and uh, the great chemistry between the two leads uh, Scott Adkins Lewis Mandler you know make a great uh, double team great dialogue as well from Jesse Johnson Stu Small um, and just you know great action as well the extended alley fight which a lot of people um, recognise as being kind of a homage to they to John Carpenter's They Live yeah I really enjoyed that so that for me that's some of the reasons uh, yeah I thought I thought Debt Collectors aka Payback aka Debt Collector 2 <laughs> was uh, was you know enters my top five what, what did you think ben yeah do you know what this was one of my this is not in my top five and it's one of my honorable mentions okay again it's one of those films i really enjoyed it just narrowly missed missed out of getting into that top five debt collector 2 or debt collectors was one of your favorite martial arts films of the year this is a message on our website. Debt Collector 2 has to be my favourite. I was never expecting a sequel, and when I watched it, I thought it was better than the original. The fight scene in the alleyway was the standout for me, and the overall film was brilliantly shot. It felt like a high-budget production. Jesse, Scott and Lewis work great as a team, and I hope we get more. That was from Colin Squire. Thank you so much, Colin. We got an email in from Tai Singh. Tai is, of course, the author of... Born to be Bad and Born to be Bad 2, which is coming out in 2021. Over email, Ty said the lockdown has meant it has been a bit of a sparse year, but Debt Collectors was a very satisfying sequel. 
And we've got a message here on Twitter. It says, Debt Collectors 2 was cool. Adkins had a few cool movies this year. Certainly did. That's from at DestroWad on Twitter. So a lot of Foo followers out there echoing your thoughts there, Mike, on Debt Collectors. My number five is Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, or also known as Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yeah. Look, this is the first solo outing for Harley Quinn uh, following 2016's Suicide Squad. And Harley Quinn narrates the film and the timeline jumps about a lot and she does a lot of breaking of the fourth wall and all that stuff. So it's got that Deadpool anarchic uh, quality to it. And it does eventually settle into your more standard superhero formula once it gets going. But it is, I found it quite an enjoyable watch. Margot Robbie is excellent, as always, as Harley Quinn. She also produces the film as well. And there are a lot of female department heads on this film. Kathy Yan is the director. Christina Hodson wrote the script. Tara Macken, who I talked to on episode 55 of this podcast and she also mentioned in the clip we just heard earlier that you know she talks a lot about how refreshing it was for her to be on set of this film she was the stunt double for Rosie Perez for this movie and how refreshing it was to just see you know so many women on on the sets which obviously you know highlights the fact that um, that clearly isn't the case in Tara's experience on previous Mm -hmm. films the film's action is is great in this. I really enjoyed it. It's from John Valera mm-hmm. and Jonathan Eusebio, eighty seven eleven, of course, and they were responsible for you know Atomic Blonde and John Wick, and it's got that similar you know really crunchy authentic style to it. So that would be my number five, Mike. Yeah. Birds of Prey, Harley That's Quinn, great. and I, no, I I also I like the, the echoing the sentiment of the kind of the t- the tongue in cheek, self aware aspect that you know yes. you can still have the as you say the, the crunchy gritty action and the, that kind of payoff but it's nice to have that juxtaposed with the humor and the tongue-in-cheek makes it quite an interesting refreshing kind of watch i, I find a few comments online about uh, birds of prey harley quinn was just stupid fun which i yeah. think is a compliment <laughs> that came from twitter at aquaman sander so thank you for that comment on Instagram, Birds of Prey had some very surprising action. That's from Martial Arts Film Freak. And on Twitter, great to see Daniel Bernhardt on the big screen in Harley Quinn. That's Christopher Evans. Okay, let's move on now to our number four. Number four. So my number four is First Love. Ah, and yes. First Love from uh, Takeshi Miki, who I'm a very big fan of and I believe you are as well. Yeah, I just found it to be um, a, a, a fun, crazy, um, kind of convoluted at times, but just zany, wild ride. Um, dramatic at times, you know, quite dark and serious at times, but then also very blackly comical and dark, um, violent, not action-packed by any means. It's not, you know, maybe, I don't know if it may, it may not qualify as, a, as an action piece, but it does have a lot of action in there, and when it kicks into high gear, there's like some there's some very um, there's some very vicious and uh, visceral sword fights and some hand to hand combat. So I really enjoyed that, and the choreography is strong, but also very gritty and very kind of nerve wracking. You know, it's on the edge of your seat, violent 
um, violent showdown. So I, I found it. I found it really good, and it even went into literal comic book territory at the end. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's a. It's. A, I think. I think it's a. It's a fun ride, and if you're a fan of Takeshi Miki, it was a. It was a. It was a good one to to check out. So that's your choice. First love yep. is your number four. Yeah. So my number four is Skylines. Okay. So yes, this is from writer and director Liam O'Donnell. It's this his second sequel to Skyline, which was a modest, if forgettable, sci-fi alien invasion movie from 2010. Under Liam's guidance, he's turned this franchise into a really strange but enjoyable sci-fi martial arts monster movie mashup thing which works totally in its credits so beyond skyline from 2017 starred eco uace and frank grillo and no one expected that to be half as much fun or entertaining as it was and this sequel has now come out to close out the trilogy it stars lindsay morgan she's part alien part human she's the head of an elite team of space fighters who must travel to a distant planet to find the key to save the human race as well as being quite silly in places i mean we're dealing with aliens that know kung fu there is some genuine pathos and a neat social commentary running throughout this film in particular not to mention all the cool action sequences as Mm -hmm. well so we do get to see martial arts star daniel bernhardt he's great as this sort of severe general type and there's a nice role here for Yoon Charlie. Yoon is also the stunt coordinator on the film. Yoon is part of the wonderful German fights team collective known as Real Deal Action. And a huge shout out to Lindsay Morgan in the lead role. It's a very action heavy lead role for her. And there's definitely certain shades of uh, Ripley from Alien, I would say, uh, in that role. It's one of those surprising films that you didn't expect to enjoy half as much as you actually were. And for this year, 2020, you know, that's all we can really ask for, really, is uh, a really fun, fun ride of a movie. So we haven't actually got any correlation there between Mm -hmm. either of our choices there so far. But maybe number three will be different. Who knows? Let's now find out what our number three is number three so my number three is the netflix film extraction interesting okay so this is of course the directorial debut of sam hargrave from 8711 who's very uh, long established and experienced stuntman stunt coordinator perhaps most famously captain america stunt double but also coordinated um, a lot of great films um, and in this, in the story of Extraction, a character with the great name of Tyler Rake, played by Chris Hemsworth. Uh, this is a mercenary who's hired to rescue uh, the kidnapped son of a drug lord being held um, held for ransom in Dhaka, Bangladesh. I believe Dhaka was actually the original title they were going with, and then it changed to Extraction. Maybe people didn't know where Dhaka was, but they, yeah. <laughs> they were after this. Um, I really, really enjoyed uh, Extraction. Obviously, Sam Hargrave, you know, I think... It's an interesting one because when you get like you know from, it's from the same school of the eighty-seven eleven guys becoming filmmakers, Dave Leach, Chad Stelsky, and so on. Um, when you get stunt people directing, they they will notoriously handle the action well. And to be honest, that's kind of the minimum you'd expect. You expect to see quality action. Um, you take that for granted in, uh, to a certain extent, but 
in extraction i really enjoyed the dramatic weight of it as well um i'm a big fan of chris hemsworth and he you know he was great his performance i felt was really good it had it had real weight to the story it felt a bit more rooted in reality than some of these stories can tend to be it wasn't fantastical it wasn't extravagant it was quite gritty and realistic uh, obviously one big thing that um, caught a lot of people's attention was this amazing 12 minute extended action sequence Incredible. which appe- a- appears to have been done in one take but actually wasn't and they're very open and transparent about there's a lot yep. of behind the scenes footage and explanations online if people are interested in how they cleverly stitched shots together but it was still very meticulous and apparently it took about four to five months to just plan and set up that entire sequence which you know transcends from uh, fist fights to kind of foot chase to car chase to shooting to lots of different elements in there so it was very impressive as a debut a directorial debut from sam hargrave i'm excited to see what he does next and of course they've now announced um a sequel so that's right that'll, that'll be fun yeah. to see i'm sure we'll get like john wick we'll get extraction two three four five yeah. maybe but uh yeah. what an incredible debut as a director for uh, sam hargrave there yeah i mean if no one's seen the behind the scenes of extraction where you know, Sam is chained to the front of a car and uh, yeah. hold, while holding the camera and is, is following every action that Chris Hemsworth's uh, taking, you know, putting his life on the line there to film this movie. It's, uh, it's, it's a really amazing uh, feat. Extraction did get some really good feedback from yeah. the Foo followers out there. Tai Singh on email wrote a great debut for Sam Hargrave as director. Can't wait to see the follow-up. On Twitter, haven't seen a lot this year, but Extraction definitely stood out as a highlight. That is from Simon Booth at Clans of Intrigue. On Twitter, I really loved Extraction. That's at double H55. And on Instagram, Extraction was fantastic. And that's two exclamation marks with the flames emoji. And that is from at Cat KitKat. So, some great comments there, seconding your opinions there, Mike, on the film Extraction. My number three, Mike, is Enter the Fat Dragon. Okay. Enter the Fat Dragon, to me, felt like one of those old Hong Kong Chinese New Year releases that they used to do in the 1980s. You know, these cameo-filled all-star action comedy vehicles which is you know very fast paced and just with mad comedy and mad action happening and this i thought was a good change of pace actually for donnie yen known for uh, more measured and serious roles it was good to see him sort of cut loose in a in a action comedy he does produce the film alongside the prolific hong kong comedy writer and director wong jing and Wong Jing co-directs the film with Kenji Tanagaki. This is Kenji's first major directing credits, and he's worked on a lot of Donnie's really big, successful martial arts films like SPL, Bodyguards and Assassins, Legend of the Fist, Dragon, Special ID, Big Brother, all of those big Donnie Yen fight films from the last 15 years. Kenji has been involved as stunt coordinator or fight choreographer. This film came about after Donnie Yen wore a fat suit for a commercial in Hong Kong for Simo Max memory foam mattresses and pillows. And off the back of that commercial, that then turned into the idea of, well, why don't we make a full feature film? They've borrowed the same title 
as the 1978 Sammo Hung Bruce Boitation film, Enter the Fat Dragon, though we should say that the similarities between the two films end there. However, it does share an appreciation for Bruce Lee in particular. Donnie Yen plays a cop who is fired and he's broken his leg. And during his recuperation time, he obviously eats a lot. So he puts on the weight. But during that time, he spends a lot of it watching Bruce Lee films. So there is a Bruce Lee element to the story, mm-hmm. which is quite good fun. I guess a lot of people would be nervous about a film in which someone like Donnie would then wear a fat suit. Mm-hmm. And you would look at that from the outside and think, well, probably a lot of the jokes are going to be directed at the size and it might potentially be quite a cruel film in that respect. But the big surprising element for me when watching this was none of the jokes are really aimed at his size. And in fact, his character is shown to be just as powerful and fearless with the extra weight as he was before as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not a mean-spirited film by any stretch of the imagination. And although it's never really that funny... It is a lot of fun. Okay. So I kind of went into it with quite low expectations, but did end up enjoying it. So yeah, that would be my number three, Enter the Fat Dragon. A few comments from the few followers out there on Enter the Fat Dragon. 2020 was a poor martial arts cinema year. I go with Donnie and Enter the Fat Dragon. That was Elias T on Twitter. Great film, a perfect start to Donnie's post-Ip Man era. That is from Twitter. That's at CarmenBat02. And Christopher Evans, again on Twitter. It was great to see Donnie Yen in a more comedic role in Enter the Fat Dragon. So that was our number three. Let's now move on to number two. Number two. I mean, this is all up in the air now because I thought Extraction was going to be your you number one. No, don't be so I you, didn't you know. You knew everything. <laughs> But okay, so what's your okay. what's your number two? Again, I think I just want to interrupt our uh, discussions and say this may not be the most martial arts centric list, but as one of the uh, one of one of the listeners just commented, I don't think this was the best year for martial arts films. But once again, we did have films with a martial arts theme or a martial martial arts element. Correct. So my number two is The Hunt. Interesting. Okay. And uh, yeah, for anyone who's uh, unfamiliar, The Hunt uh, is set in this, uh, it's kind of an alternate reality where a, a, a mysterious organization drugs and kidnaps people deemed undesirable in society, dumps them in a remote location um, where they're given an arsenal of weapons, a short head start, and then hunted for sport by the wealthy punters. So there's elements of battle royale or even maybe hard target in there yeah. if you wanted to draw those comparisons. But what sets this apart for me is it's it's a really a, a strong political satire, which I personally found very incisive and very funny. Um, don't want to say too much about that to spoil it for people, but that, that aspect did cause some controversy, more so, I think, in the US release and the politics yeah. over o- over the pond. They pulled the release of this film, Universal. Yeah, there were some problems there, and then they did a funny yeah. poster. If you look online, you can see the quotes poster where they made up a lot of negative reviews on the... Um, or, <laughs> did they? Or negative comments, which I thought <laughs> okay. was quite quite funny. Um, but it's, um, it's from Blumhouse, who I'm a big fan of, Jason Blum and his team, who you know I feel do quite innovative stories and concepts in the kind of lower to mid-budget range which feels like maybe it affords them a bit more freedom to take risks and do kind of edgier 
type of things than than the bigger studios would do. Betty Gilpins is the lead in this, uh, who I'm a big fan of from Glow. Hilary Swank is the is a kind of co-lead in there as well, but it's really an ensemble cast and there's some great character actors in there. Quite shocking and violent at times and catches you off guard, but it's um it's very it's really good, really fun, enjoyable. As I say, the political element I really enjoyed as well. Quite quite edgy and quite brave in that regard. And worth mentioning, Heidi Moneymaker is one of the main yeah. stunt coordinators and does a great job. Uh, the action is, is gritty and violent at times, but also quite heightened at other times. Like there's um, a long extended... Uh, hand-to-hand fight scene at the end which again don't want to give away but that's done very well with a lot of breakaways and people being thrown through tables and windows and things and yeah. you know a lot of creative choreography with the environment and Heidi did a great job and obviously being a long established stunt woman she's doing more coordinating now and that's a great I think a great um, feather in her cap and a hint of hopefully what's to come so yeah the hunt really enjoyed that one it reminds me this one a bit do you remember was it last year we were talking about the art of self-defense yeah yeah that was a sort of offbeat american indie film yeah and similarly this struck me as one of those films that you're either going to get on board with the comedy in this or you're going to think this is the worst film ever. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? It has that yeah, sort of Marmite quality. It's got a po- polarising aspect. I would say yeah, so, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. My number two, Mike, is Mulan. Okay. There's a lot to say here, but I'll try and keep it quite concise. So obviously yeah. Mulan is Disney's live-action remake of the original cartoon, which came out in 1998. And it's actually more closely aligned in tone to something like Crouching Tiger or Hero, one of those sort of wirefu martial art house films than it is the cartoon because it's an altogether very different beast to that. I mean, obviously there's no songs in it, so that's an immediate uh, thing that makes it different. There's no Mushu as well, which was the talking dragon from the original cartoon voiced by Eddie Murphy. I don't have any strong connection to the original cartoon, I'll, I'll be honest there, so that those things don't bother me so much. But I do understand if Mulan was your film growing up, then this new version may strike a slightly you know off chord. Having said that, I think it stands up on its own as opposed to a lot of the Disney live-action remakes that they've been doing lately. So The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, all these films are getting remade with a lot of similarities there to the original cartoon. This one does feel like a different beast entirely, Mm -hmm. I would say. It's got a wonderful cast, we should say, of action and dramatic stars. So Jason Scott Lee is brilliant as the Kung Fu warlord in this film. Gong Li, great to see Gong Li. She plays a shape-shifting witch. Jet Li appears in the film. He plays the emperor. Donnie Yen is brilliant in this. He plays a uh, compassionate but tough army general. Si Ma is Mulan's dad. Always great to see Si Ma. And he always plays dads in all of the films he's in, it seems. But the film, to me, very much belongs to Li Yufei. She plays Mulan with a great spirit, great emotion. She very much carries the heart and soul of the picture. I think she does a wonderful job in the lead role. 
I'm deliberately sidestepping a lot of the political controversies that do surround this film, and I do know that there are many, and it may partly be why Disney did make that decision to ultimately cancel a theatrical release, or at least hold off for it for any longer. I know that they did say that it was down to the coronavirus, and obviously the coronavirus did put pay to this film getting a wide theatrical release. It was treated as something of a guinea pig in many ways, as a sort of big Disney tentpole movie that would debut instead on their streaming service, Disney+. Plus. All I would say about that is that I felt a bit personally aggrieved. As we were saying earlier, Mike, There's some films that you do just really want to see really loud and on a really big screen. And this film, for me, as much as I enjoyed watching it, I did think it would be great to see this in a a cinema. It feels like that is its true home. Yeah, definitely. It was a very very beautifully shot film. Looked amazing, very epic. When almost every shot looks carefully composed um in that widescreen format and the sound design and the music and everything so definitely i mean yeah i also very much enjoyed that but i I can imagine on the big screen that would have been next level okay i think now is the time the big reveal i have no idea what your number one is all preconceived (laughs) Um, notions just gone out the window but uh we shall see as we reveal our number one number one looking at the difference of choices i think You've included quite a few comedic or like lighter entertainment films, which is nice to see. And I think I've gone, for a, I've gone for a darker, moodier, edgier. Yeah. I'm just not in a very jovial mood this year. And I'm, I'm wondering now, you're absolutely right when I'm reading these back to you now. And maybe it's just the year, you know, uh, the type of films that I've been enjoying this year have been real. Yeah, as you say, more lighter escapism. I've been enjoying the uh, the escapism too, but for a, a, a nastier and violent <laughs> side yeah. of things. But um, okay, so my number one choice for this year, something a bit different, but uh, an important film, I think, okay. is Stunt Women: The Untold Hollywood Story documentary. Very good. And, I um, didn't. I haven't seen this. Yeah. So well, um, it's, yes. it's not it, uh, just so that I mean. To to, um, to address what you've just said, and also for anyone listening, I don't know that it's it's not widely known where it's available, particularly in the UK. I saw it on iTunes, so it is available on UK iTunes. It's a new documentary based on the book by Molly Gregory of the same name, and um, this very much examines uh, it's the history of women's roles and major involvement in major Hollywood stunts, going right back to the early days of you know black and early black and white films, uh, Hollywood films and TV. Um, and how sadly it's it's still overlooked now to a certain extent in terms of you know female stunt involvement, but also how some of these roles have um, sadly lessened over time. That actually in the beginning, women were much more um, equally featured in terms of performing stunts and action on camera back in the early black and white days, and you know shifting into now men um, you know male stunt performers coming in and doubling for women when perfectly physically capable stunt women um, were available and how this is kind of changing to a certain extent but it's still um, an issue in many ways um, and in the documentary we hear from a wide range of stunt women from different generations um, all about their experiences and the film kind of frames it in in, in part um, as the younger up-and-coming stunt women speaking to and hearing from the veterans like, like you've got amy johnston speaking to Jeannie epper um, you know the original Wonder Woman, um, and it also it's interesting. It weaves in some other less glamorous, but you know more you know 
important and um, difficult subjects like race inequality in the film business, making it hard for uh, black stunt performers to have equal opportunities. Um, and then you think of, you know, a female black stunt performer. It's like the double, double whammy of, you know, facing yeah. these obstacles. Even touching on the use of drugs in stunts and on sets, which, you know, which was problematic um, and then made more of a problem if you were to speak out against it, seeing it happen on film sets. And then, you know, some women put in, in, in a difficult position of having their future job prospects threatened by 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 seeing these things and reporting them um so there's some uncomfortable topics in there and i'm and i actually appreciated aside from the in, the entertaining or interesting aspects of it they actually went into um some of the the trickier subjects but ultimately it's very inspiring and uplifting and that's that's the message um it's also it's uh, interesting to note it's exec produced and narrated by michelle rodriguez which was fun to see um and she gets to meet and go for uh, for, for some stunt driving uh, kind of like a stunt driving ride along with her fast and furious stunt driver which is fun to see and there's some of that you know this 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 kind of like lighter material that breaks up the more the the the, the narrative storytelling it's a very good documentary and i'd um i'd highly recommend that great stuff okay my film we've already mentioned it my number one film is extraction extraction sam hargrave's directorial debut we've already spoken about this um uh, a little bit already it's further testament to when studios actually give the stunt coordinators the opportunity to run the show that they do uh, end up coming up with amazing action movies this is a taut ambitious exciting film and it's mostly free from any cgi or gimmicks as well a lot of the action is done in camera and it feels very much like a world away from you know the stuff sam's been doing on his marvel films in uh, captain america and so on so you know what more do you want it's a wonderfully well-made action film car chases crashes gun foo sniper battles knife fights shootouts pile-ups there's a super tense finale on a bridge it's a great movie so Mike, absolutely no correlation between yeah. our two choices there, which is but interesting. I'm glad. Look, I think there, there's some overlap. Like, obviously, we've both got extraction in our top fives, but yeah. I'm glad that it's different because it's um, it's maybe more interesting than just having the same list. Absolutely. That's exactly right. If we were to come up with an overall film, you know, best title of the year, would we give it to extraction purely because it's in both of our lists, do you think? I guess we would have to by that logic well let's let's say that there we go that's our individual choices and there is uh, an agreement there i guess that uh, extraction is in both of our lists so by that logic extraction is our film of the year this is an extraction so who the players biggest drug lord in india versus biggest drug lord in bangladesh <laughs> some mythic shit huh it's a kidnapping drug lord's son Clock's running at 16 hours. Proof of life is of six hours ago. Okay, great stuff there. Thank you so much, Mike. Before we move on from this, I think we should also shine a light on some of the films that didn't quite make our top five lists, but we also enjoyed. So a few honourable mentions. I want to just quickly say a word about Tribal Get Out Alive. This is a British zombie action film. This is from the director Matt Routledge. It stars Zara Fivian and Ross O'Hennessy. 
I thought, I mean, it's a low-budget movie, but Matt did a, a wonderful job uh, with quite limited resources. It was great to see Zara really step up to the plate in the role and uh, turn in a really uh, great leading action-heavy role. There wasn't a Scott film in my top five, and I enjoyed the film Seized as well, which is his reunion with the director Isaac Florentine. Of course, Isaac was responsible for giving Scott his big break is in the Undisputed franchise and then later the Ninja films as well. So it's a low-budget revenge movie, but it's a pretty enjoyable film. I don't think you can really go wrong with a film in which the main plot device seems to be uh, Scott goes into a room and kills a load of people. So I quite enjoyed the film Seized as well. So those would be my honourable mentions from this year. Mike, was there any ones that you also enjoyed that didn't quite make your Um, top five? I I did really enjoy Mulan, which obviously you talked about much more at length. I enjoyed some some lighter popcorn entertainment i guess you know i guess you'd say and a couple i just wanted to mention there vanguard i thought with jackie chan was not jackie's best work by any means but it was just a fun crazy action film popcorn flick the uh the absolute definition of switch off your brain and just go with it you know hoverboards and jet skis and yeah, gold CGI cars. lions. Yeah, CGI lions, gold cars. Let just you know, slow motion people flipping through the air in their cars, yeah. doing stupid faces and this kind of stuff. So just a very silly, but equally on the same same kind of thing. Bloodshot, uh, the the comic yeah, adaptation Vin with, Vin, with Vin Diesel, which I found again, you know, is just a silly, light hearted but entertaining um, action film with some actually some some very good fights. There were quite a few other films that people commented on. A lot of yeah. Foo followers got in touch to say that the following films were their favourite films. I Am Vengeance Retaliation on Twitter. Destro Wad again. I Am Vengeance Retaliation was a lot of fun. Stu Bennett killed it and I hope he does many more movies. Message on Twitter here for the film Deliver Us From Evil. That's a South Korean action film. Deliver Us From Evil fell a little flat but featured a really nice mix of fistfights gunfights and car chases that really hit the spot. Jung J. Lee gave us one of the most entertaining Yakuza on film since Itchy the Killer. That message there is from at Jarhead Kuntz. Thank you everyone who did get in touch. Thank you so much Mike for your thoughts there. Before we wrap things up here let's take a quick look at the films coming up next year. Hopefully when the world has returned to some kind of normality. This is a feature we are calling Things to Look Forward to in 2021. Things to Look Forward to in 2021. Which of the films, the projects that are on this list that you're particularly excited about, would you say, Mike? Well, it's apt that it's, I think, right at the top of the list is the new film Nobody, or the upcoming yes. film Nobody, I should say, because just at the time of speaking, the trailer's just dropped. It has. Which does look very good, and from producers uh, Dave Leach and uh, Kelly McCormick from 8711, um, starring Bob Odenkirk in quite a, 
quite a transformative character by the looks so. things. But looks a lot of fun. You know, looks obviously it's it's easy to to compare everything that you could compare things to John Wick or to other things. It does definitely have that flavour, but it looks it looks different and it looks like a nice expansion to its slightly different terrain. Castle Falls, I'll be look, looking forward to for sure yeah. because you know Dolph Lundgren is somebody I've always um, said. I think is is somewhat underrated as a filmmaker. He actually um, he crafts a very good story and a very competently made action film. So it'll be interesting to see him teaming up with Scott and uh, obviously something that I believe was shot during the pandemic and you know few few productions which have actually managed to go ahead and manage some kind of filming schedule with face masks and in the, in the COVID yep. period is admirable in itself so um, it'll be interesting to see that as well we also talked about uh, Raging Fire which would be great to see Donnie and Benny their their last collaboration that would be interesting to see I'm still obviously hoping for Sleeping Dogs because I'm a big fan of that Mm -hmm. game and and Donnie doing that would be very cool not forgetting Black Widow and Matrix and these other big franchises it's it's hard to to kind of pick a favourite Exactly. There's there's a there's an awful lot because obviously so many of the releases of these films then got bumped into 2021. So we've now got quite a long list of uh, movies heading our way in 2021. Before we go, Mike, thank you so much for taking part in this show, our annual end of year roundup. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you, sir. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Mike, before we sign off for another year? Um just echo your sentiments ben thank you very much for inviting me back as i always enjoy talking with you and participating of course i'm sorry that we haven't been able to do this in person as we normally do yes but it's the first time hopefully it's the only time and maybe next year we can get together um over a couple of drinks in person and do it again absolutely mike do stay safe do take care looking forward to catching up again in person hopefully soon The Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast will now be going on a little bit of a break. We do look forward to returning at some point in 2021, even though we may not be on the air, so to speak. You can always contact me. The email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, that is it then from us. So it's a goodbye from me, Ben Johnson. It's a goodbye from him, Mike Fury. Merry Christmas. (laughs) And we wish all the Foo followers around the world listening to this a very happy holiday period. All the very best for a wonderful new year. Cheers, everyone. Take care. Cheers. And bye for now. Bye-bye. There we go. Another year, another end of year show. Thank you kindly to Mike Fury for being a great sport, as per usual. Mike's books, Life of Action, Volume 1 and 2, can be purchased now, wherever it is that you get your books. Head to MikeFury.net for more information. You can also follow Mike on social media. He is on Twitter and Instagram at the Mike Fury. And there is a Life of Action page on Facebook under the name Life of Action Book. So thank you so much, Mike. If you do need a recap, Mike's top five films of the year were Debt Collectors, a.k.a. Payback, a.k.a. The Debt Collector 2. That is available on Netflix here in the UK. First Love is available on iTunes in the UK. 
Extraction is on Netflix. The Hunt is available to buy on Amazon Prime and also iTunes. And Stump Women, The Untold Hollywood Story, that is available on iTunes here in the UK. My top five were a little bit more cheerful. And they included Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, that's available to buy on iTunes and Amazon Prime. Skylines is available to rent on Amazon Prime. Enter the Fat Dragon. Now, with Enter the Fat Dragon, I cheated here a little bit because I did use my privileges of running the website and also the podcast. I first saw Enter the Fat Dragon when I was sent a review link from the film's North American distributor. That's Walgo USA. There is a North American Blu-ray and DVD out there from Walgo. So if you do have a multi-region player, you will be able to purchase Enter the Fat Dragon currently and watch that. It is also available in the USA to stream over Amazon Prime. Mulan is available on Disney+. Plus. You can also pay for it on Amazon Prime and Extraction is on Netflix. So some very good movies there in that list. Do check those out. And we would also love to know what your favourite martial arts fight-centric films of 2020 were, particularly if you feel there was one that we missed out in our roundup there that needs a little bit of love. Then do let us know. You can leave us a comment on our website or you can leave us a message over social media. We are on Twitter at KF Movie Guide. We are also on Instagram and Facebook. And the email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. All of the music that you heard on this episode was purchased from the website audiojungle.net. That really cheesy track that you heard when we were unwrapping our presents. That is called Christmas Roads. It's by Waderman. The podcast theme is called Back to the 70s. It is by Wave Sound with certain embellishments made by myself and George Dennis. Another huge thank you to George. Thank you, George, for sorting out the reverb sections on this episode and also just generally being a great person to turn to for technical advice and support. George has sent over another little Christmas present in audio form which I will be tagging to the end of this episode so a little podcast extra for everyone who has stuck around to the very end I do hope you like it it certainly made me laugh and that is just about it for another season of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast a huge thank you to anyone who has ever listened to an episode of this show or sent me a message or told a friend about the podcast or left a star rating or sent me an email or subscribed to the newsletter or donated or liked something that we posted on Instagram, whatever it is, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is because of your positive reaction to this show that keeps me doing it. I mean, that's partly true. I mean, I probably would still be doing this even if no one was listening, but it is still very nice to know there are people out there who are enjoying this podcast so that is it for 2020 thank you so much for listening and let's hope that 2021 is a lot better than 2020 so from the uk this is ben johnson signing off for another year and wishing you all a very merry christmas happy holidays have a restful break and a very happy new year. Take care, 
Foo followers around the world, and bye for now. Number one. That was good. That was like the um. 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 Is it a lot? Not X Factor. Yeah. Hold on, I've got one more to do. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.